Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Sam Phelan. We'll talk Commodore basketball. Let's get right to our interview with Sam. Sam Phelan's our basketball guy at Vandy Sports. He joins us. Sam, hope you're doing well. Disappointing week for the Commodores. Yes, sir, Chris. I'm doing well, but uh, like you said, I mean, just a tough week uh, for Commodores basketball here as the season winds down and um, a few tough pills to swallow for the fans. You know, the one bright spot in this Scotty Pippen. He's just been unbelievable. He's been a joy to watch. He's playing the best basketball at what looks like the end of his Vanderbilt career. And, man, he's just, he's just carrying them at times, it seems to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't – yeah, I think it's important, too. I, I think a lot of fans kind of had a sour taste in their mouth from the end of the, the game against Florida um, and some of, you know, obviously the turnover, which uh, – Pippen had a hand in and then missing the free throws at the end. But I don't want that to uh, dilute the the quality of basketball that he's been playing recently. Um, as you head into the SEC tournament, the one thing that you really can feel good about is, is the performance of Scotty. 20, uh, 20 points in six straight games, and he's been up around the 30 mark over the last couple. And He's been efficient, been passing really well. And like you said, if it is the end of his Vanderbilt career, he is leaving his mark and going out at his absolute best. And you like to see a guy at the pinnacle of his game uh, towards the end of the year, especially if he's going to be your anchor as you head into March. I'm at the point where, okay, they're below 500 now. I don't know what else to talk about. Um, So let's go into the mailbag because there's some good questions here. Yeah. Our mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Door King wants to know what can Vanderbilt do to secure an NIT bid. Well, first of all, you got to get to, I think, at least 500, if not above it. So that would include, you know, probably need to beat Ole Miss. Probably need well would have to beat Georgia in the SEC tournament and then either win one more or I don't know if the NIT's taken five hundred teams these day or not these days or not I don't know what the rule is anymore but I I think that's that's a minimum right yeah I, I think that's exactly what it is I I think it's a win over Ole Miss finish the regular season at fifteen and fifteen um, and then yeah win over Georgia and I think you have to win win another one you have to get to uh, you have to get to that third day of the SEC tournament in order to, to give yourself a shot. I will say, even though the record wouldn't be there, I do think there is um, an argument to be made for Vandy's resume in terms of the NIT and, and wanting to see them there. You know, they have played good games against a lot of NCAA t- tournament teams, and they have wins over, you know, teams like Arkansas now who are um, pushing the top 10 in the country potentially. And they, uh, a few good performances that I do think would go a long way into that. But yeah, I mean, at the bare minimum, you're going to have to win your next three uh, if you want to make the NIT and give yourself a chance to keep playing. Yeah, the, the computer rankings, I think, have got them right there as an NIT level team. But 
again, it's the, the record that's problematic. Yeah, I mean, they're not that far behind when you look at things like Ken Palm, and part of that is, you know, some of the quality of, of schedules and some of the some of the tight wins that they've sort of had. I'm trying to scroll through it right now and see where where they, they're 79th uh, as of this moment in the Ken Palm ranking. So when you look at that, that, that's probably right on the bubble of the NIT, maybe a little bit outside looking in. So I do think a few wins could have them jump up a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, those aren't going to be three easy games to win either. You know, you'd like to think they'd beat Ole Miss and Georgia, uh, but that, that third game there, whoever it ends up being, uh, is going to be, that's not going to be an easy one. Yeah, I'm looking at the computer rankings here. I'm looking at their net sheet. Hang on, let me pull it up. And this might be a day or two old. They were, okay, the result-based metrics, they are 80th in KPI, 90th in strength of resume, 73rd in ESPN's BPI, 79 in Pomeroy, 76 in Sagarin. So, yeah, I mean, basically, the, you know, what, 48 teams or so make the – Make the or excuse me. Or, or, once you once you adjust for the one bid conferences and all that, there's about 48 teams that that make it that are you know make it on the strength of what they do outside of the conference tournament. Um, yeah, you get the at large about 48 at larges there, and then and then there's 32 NIT. So basically, it puts you in the top 80. I mean, they're they're right there, but but got to have the wins. Now it might be on it might be yeah. on the low end, but but you got to have the the above 500 record. Yeah, and I mean, you're looking at them too in that, like we said, that third or that potentially second SEC game there. You're looking at playing; they'll get the the number six seed. Um, so as that sit, sits right now, it's a rematch against Florida, but that could still be, you know, LSU, South Carolina, Alabama, depending on how this last weekend plays out. But those are all teams that have uh, have given Vanderbilt fits for the most part with with Florida, Alabama, and South Carolina so far. Yeah, and I've done some projecting ahead in terms of who I think will win in the league this weekend and what that would mean. Uh, Vanderbilt's going to be the 11 playing 14 Georgia regardless, but I think Alabama is who I've got projected to land that sixth seed, and if so, the winner of Vanderbilt Georgia would play Alabama. So there you go. Yeah, so... Well, then, I mean, yeah, to answer the question, you know, you have to beat, have to beat Ole Miss, you have to beat Georgia, have to beat Alabama, and then potentially even you might be uh, looking at trying to knock off like an Arkansas or a, or a Tennessee there if, if you get the three seed. So, it, yeah, it's going to be tough, um, it, it, but it really comes down to, one, how many bid stealers there are, I think, for the NCAA tournament, if you have a lot of these uh, project these really high end mid major teams getting knocked off in their in their conference championships. Uh, you're going to have a lot of them sliding down into the NIT bracket with some of the bid steals. Uh, that obviously makes less space for a team like Vanderbilt coming out of a Power Five with a little bit of a, of a worse record. Um, and then it's also just going to be on on what the uh, the committee's valuing in terms of you know, strength of schedule and and strength of some of the losses versus what the overall record is for a team. Okay, Musa wants to know how many years are left on Stackhouse's contract. Uh, that is three after this year. And then he wants to know from you, knowing that if you're the AD for a day, what do you do with Stackhouse's contract? I mean, if I'm at right, if I'm the athletic director right now, I'm not sure I'm touching it. Um, I just, I, I don't, 
I'm, I'm, we talked a little bit ago about, uh, you know, a potential extension. I, I think that with the way things have played out, uh, there's a lot of, a lot more concern I think has been raised over the last few weeks, just on some tendencies of Vanderbilt late in games, some of the coaching, uh, just questions late in games as well, where you might, uh, raise a little bit of a red flag regarding whether or not he's extension ready. But I also don't think that uh, I'm, I would be in the spot to move on just yet from Jerry Stackhouse. And you can have your opinion on him one way or another, whether you're bought in or not bought in. Uh, but yeah, I, I think right now you, you kind of have to, you're in a wait and see type of spot. You, you see, you know, how, first of all, how the next uh, team shapes up in terms of returners, who's moving on um, and then what the transfer portal is looking like for both uh, incomers and, and those leaving the program. But you see, you see what the team looks like. And, and for now you have to stand, you have to stand pat and just hope uh, that he's able to turn things around a little bit. And, and before there's really any real cause for uh, going in a different direction. Yeah. And just to, I guess give something besides opinion. What I have heard is they're they're not making them, or I shouldn't say definitively they're not making a move. I have no reason to think they're making a move. What what I have heard yeah. is internally it has been processed as he's improving the program. Um, injuries really hurt them this year, and and he's got a, a good recruiting class coming in next year. So I think that's how they're looking at it. Um, and, well, and I, I want to say too, Chris, I. I I'm not, this is not a endorsement necessarily of Jerry Stackhouse as Vanderbilt's head coach, but I do think there is a tendency within college basketball, um, this is, to some degree college football, but in the college basketball world specifically to, to push coaches and push, uh, push things out the door before they're really given time to develop. Um, and like I said, it's, that's not a full endorsement of Stack or what he's done. I definitely can uh, can list a bunch of areas in which I think he can improve, um, and I think he needs to improve. But, you know, there has been some positive development within the program over the last few years since he took over from a, from a winless Vanderbilt program within the SEC. Um, and I think you'd be remiss if you didn't give that a chance to at least see year four um, and see – what it has. And if after another year of him recruiting, bringing in a good class and being active in the transfer portal, if you're still looking at, at, you know, any more regression or lack of progress, then I think it's a fair assessment to be like, you know, we've given him four years of our program and we haven't seen anything uh, to show for it. But I, I, I would be cautious to try and move on a little bit too soon and push out a lot of the positive momentum you may have. Well, here's what's interesting, Sam. The coaches in this league, I believe Stackhouse is the only one without prior college experience. And and every coach at every program in the SEC, uh, let me just look this off mentally. Um, yeah, every coach in this league other than Stackhouse who had never held a college job has had success at at least one other college stop. Um, you know, you got Tom Crean who's been to a Final Four won the Big Ten twice. He's going to get fired at Georgia at year's end. You know, Missouri, a lot of fans are ready to move on from Conzo Martin. Uh, Ole Miss fans aren't enamored with Kermit Davis right now. 
been howling at Mississippi State's another one I think you could see go. Florida fans aren't super happy with Mike White, and they're not going to be happy if they don't make the SEC or excuse me, the NCAA tournament, which I think is probably less than 50-50 right now, but but Gators have got a shot to get there. You know, South Carolina tried to run Frank Martin out of town a year ago, um, and I think he stood his ground. I don't know where that resolves. Carolina's won nine games, and so uh, that, that may get him another year, but I think they need to get back to the tournament next year probably. Point is, half the league right now, I think half the fan bases literally are somewhat unhappy with their coaches and these are all coaches that have won at previous stops. It's just a brutal league. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Well, and yeah, and I, Chris, I think too, that speaks to that idea that I said about, you don't want to push something out too soon. I think one thing of view in which fans can get a little bit uh, disoriented is, you know, just change does not always mean that the grass is greener. Um, and I think that that's something like something to keep in mind of, you know, if, if Vanderbilt did decide to move on from Jerry Stackhouse after this season, uh, how confident are you one in a coach wanting to choose Vanderbilt as their destination for the next spot in their career. And then two, that a coach could come in and have success. And I think all those examples you listed are, you know, good, good examples of the fact that, Hey, college success does not necessarily translate to a new school, um, especially within the sec. And, you know, just because they're moving on from stack, you have to, Keep in mind repercussions that could have on things like a transfer portal or decommits on your on your recruit recruiting side. Um, if Stack has really close relationships with some of those kids that are have their eyes on Vanderbilt or are getting set to come to Vanderbilt, you know what does that mean for their futures and their their future at Vanderbilt? So those are all things you have to keep in mind. And um, like you said, I, just because they go in a different direction, even if they were able to nail someone with a lot of I mean, college success. I mean, I even look outside of the SEC, somebody like Porter Moser over at Oklahoma, you know, he's built an incredible Loyola Chicago program. They moved on. uh, Well, he moved on rather to Oklahoma. Now, you know, people already kind of want him out after a bad year at Oklahoma this year, while Loyola Chicago is pushing the tournament again. So sometimes it's more of a a program success than it is a coach's success. Um, And you never really know what you're getting until it plays out. There's a couple of questions about the roster, the portal, that kind of thing. Let's let's go over 
what we think the returning roster might look out before the portal and all that, before we hit those, because I think context is important. Okay, so Pippen has said he's leaving. Um, I would presume we'll, we'll take him at his word still there. You'd presume Jordan Wright will be back for a fourth year. There's been talk that, that Melora Brown and, and Robbins will return. Yeah, I mean, that, that has been the rumor so far that, that both those guys have interest in in running it back for an extra year and being on the court together. Um, they both just raved uh, after games playing together about what the other one does for their confidence on the floor and, the, and what they're capable of doing uh, when they're out there together. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, whatever direction the two of them go in, if it's not uh, in sync with the other one. Yeah, so I think you've got a, a solid three, four, five. It's not an upper half of the league three, four, five, but it's it's solid at least. Uh, the, the rest of the roster is where I get concerned. Yeah, I, I mean depth has been an issue uh, for for this team. For a, I mean that's been as clear as day just with some of the bench problems. Um, and until the recruiting class gets in here, you you really don't know. What you have, uh, I mean, we've been saying it for weeks, though, Chris. I, I do think, you know, if you're assuming that, t- again, taking Pippen at his word that he is going to go pro after this year and he won't be at Vanderbilt, you'd have to think Stack is going to look for a a, a, a lot of backcourt help in the transfer portal. Yeah, I'll, I'll just be blunt. They're going to have to find one or two studs because they're losing the only one I, they've got. Yeah. Well, they're, lo- they're losing the only one they got, and they're losing a lot of the guys who you, you feel okay being out there. You know, Rodney Chapman not coming back. Even somebody like Drew Weikert, who, you know, you can knock Drew for some of his lack of athleticism, sometimes lack of size matching up in the SEC. But Drew Weikert's been a nice, you know, high IQ player out there that will knock down open shots and uh, has been somebody that Stack has leaned on in the absence of Rodney to really take some of those minutes. You're looking at both of those guys walking out the door as well. So now three of the uh, the main guys in your backcourt that you're giving regular minutes to are, are looking like they might be uh, going elsewhere and, and moving on after after college basketball. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be more than one. You can't just re- rely on the freshmen to come in and, and – take all of that uh, responsibility. You're going to have to be very active in, in the transfer portal and trying to convince uh, some studs around the league that uh, this is the best opportunity for them uh, as they look to further their basketball career. I think this is one of the big questions for next year. J.D. Icav asks, um, well, first, have you heard about any players looking at the portal and then what your analysis is of Lawrence and Dazoni? I, I mean, I haven't heard anything. I don't know what you've been hearing, Chris. Um, I haven't. My analysis. Of, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not sure you will necessarily hear any more until maybe after the season. Um, just in terms of, I think a lot of people like, like to respect the idea of, you know, you want to finish things out. Same deal with coaches. You know, it's like until you've played that last game, you kind of keep things, whatever you're thinking about doing on the low until then. My analysis of Lawrence and Dizoni is I'm not sure it's changed. I, I like the build of each of them. I like the athleticism. They both have good size, good bodies to, to play guard in the SEC. Neither one of them is, has shown the ability to, to score well enough to, to make me feel like, at this point at least, uh, they could be a, a 
starting caliber point guard um, in the league. And, and that's not to say that can't change as they grow and they develop, but um, that's kind of been the reason why I feel like stack has been playing with their minutes a little bit and, and seeing what works because, you know, they both show flashes of, Hey, I can, I can score. I can attack the rim. I can distribute, play good defense. I have a good body. And then there's other times where they just look out of control. They don't look as, as polished on the offensive end of the court. Um, so I think they both have a lot of work to do there. You know, obviously there's going to be opportunity in the Vanderbilt backcourt next season for one or both of them to step up into some bigger roles on the team if they are here. Um, but they have to be able to score the ball because when you're losing Pippen, you're losing 20 points per game. Someone's got to be, uh, someone's got to be your, your usage leader. Um, you're losing a lot of touches in Pippen more than just points. You're losing the guy who runs your entire offense. And one of them has to work on being reliable enough, uh, to have the ball in their hands and operate the offensive scheme. And right now, I don't think you can look at either one of them and think they do that consistently enough to feel good about it. Well, I guess where their strength will be next year is front court, presuming that, that Dort is something near the hype. Um, then, then you've got a, a pretty good starting point there, but it's just who, who can run a team, who can be efficient scoring. And, and I just think that losing Pippen – you know, Jordan Wright and a lot of other guys are beneficiaries of better looks with him around that are going to go away when he's gone. Yeah, the front court I feel good about, like you said, you know, with Dort, with it, I mean, if you have Quentin and if you have Liam back, you feel really, really good about what you have there. You'll still have Wright, you'll still have some size that can shoot in Miles Studi, but almost all of those guys have had a lot of their points come from the creation of, of Pippen and what Scotty's able to do with the ball in his hands and the amount of attention that he attracts. So that is the question mark. You, you're going to have the bigs to, to bang down low with the SEC, like the monsters of the SEC. You're going to have some shooters on the roster still that can knock down open shots, but who is going to be your conductor that is not only poised enough to deliver the basketball to these guys and make sure they're getting open looks, but also command enough attention and be enough of a scoring threat uh, that they're kind of creating open looks for other other players. Anna Arbordor wants to know what grade we'd each give Stackhouse and ask for A through F grades um, for this season, starting with recruiting. I'll let you go first. And that includes the transfers, by the way. Uh, you're making me go first. You're putting me on the... On the <laughs> so we're talking... Uh, I'll go first if you like, but... The hot seat. So you're talking recruiting as in his current freshman class and the transfers he brought well, in. Well, I, I, I think he says for this season, so I think that it does not include the guys that are that are not here yet. So what, what's on this roster? Okay. How do you do in terms of recruiting? I'll let, I, yeah, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to make you uh, take that one, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll work off of you. I, I'd give him a D-plus, C-minus. Um, Pippen was uh, he gets credit for getting Pippen right um and, and I get that the that the Robbins thing hasn't worked out like they they'd hoped and certainly the Chapman thing hasn't but he just didn't he didn't do enough he didn't work hard enough he didn't recruit smart enough in his first two years and I think if he had done that and there was more of a backdrop uh when things go wrong I, I wouldn't give a hard grade but I just I, I know too much about the effort or lack of it that was put in the first two years 
uh, to to just absolve him just out of out of injuries and bad luck or whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit more generous. I'd probably say a C to a C plus. Uh, I do like some of his offensive schemes that we've been seeing recently. He has shown a little bit of his basketball mind, and he has ability to to get creative looks and get open shots, uh, and that's something that they've done well all season. Getting some shooters like Trey Thomas, who, you know, does not have an SEC body, doesn't have an SEC skill set, but can shoot the lights out when he gets when he gets going. And Stack does a nice job of getting him and Miles Studi and other people uh, good looks. And like you said, I credit him for Pippen. I really do like what he did with Chapman and Robbins, and it, it hasn't worked out as he envisioned or as maybe uh, everybody else envisioned. But I do think when fully healthy, he had a good. Um, a really good thought in place for both of them. And uh, I also like some of his development in guys like Quentin Laura Brown. And, you know, that was a guy coming into this season that I didn't expect too much from. And Stack was throwing him out there as a starter every day. And we saw uh, what he saw in, in Quentin throughout the season and the development and the impact player that he uh, quickly became for Vanderbilt. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it comes down to, finishing those tight games, which they haven't done very well. And I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, coaching that poise and coaching that discernment in, in those last few minutes. And then as well as we mentioned, just bench problems and lack of depth. And you can sit here and I've said it too, that they don't have the horses, but at the end of the day, he's the guy who's uh, picking which horses are on his, uh, in his stable here. Um, so if, if there's anybody to blame for people like, Aaron Frank coming out and, and not having the best production, not being able to rebound, not being able to shoot, or the lack of backcourt depth and kind of being disappointed with what we've seen out of Gabe Dorsey or Shane Dezoni or whoever it is when you're talking about point guards, you know, that those are stacks recruits and those are he, who he's putting on the team. So I do think that uh, he deserves some criticism and some, some points docked off for, for some of that. So I'd probably say a C to a C plus. Yeah. I didn't do a good job of, of, outlining the question because he asked us to grade in several areas the one I was addressing was just the recruiting aspect because he also asked about player development game offense and and in-game defense I think and this is why I give Jerry better marks I think his player development um Man, I'd, I'd probably give him a B slash B minus. Um, Pippen, I mean, he he deserves a lot of credit for that. Jordan Wright, he deserves a lot of credit for. Uh, but but the problem there is they they just weren't, you know, SEC level players in terms of are you going to finish in the top half of the league? In fact, he's got he's probably got three of those on his roster. Um, and, and after well, that, I mean, Jordan, Jordan and, and but I mean, and, and there you go. Like Jordan Wright is, in my mind, not a guy that's going to get minutes on the six teams in the league. They're going to the NCAA tournament, but he's done a nice job with Jordan, making him a lot more of him than he should. I, I think he gets a B or a B minus there. It's just the material that he started with wasn't very good. That's on him. I think his, you know, everybody talks about his sets being pretty good. Um, I, I think that's true for the most part. His in game coaching to me. Uh, has not been good. I think defensively, I don't think the first two years they've been very good. Now, defensively, I think this year he's gotten a lot out of them. Um, so I'd, I'd yeah. probably give them as high marks for defense this year as anything. I, th- I think he's done a good job with what he's had. It, it just all goes back to what he started with. Chris, I, I think that is the main thing about Stack that I think is really frustrating for 
you and I. I think it's frustrating for fans. I think it's just frustrating for the program in general because there are there's so much to to really like actually in what he's done with some offensive sets, with some of the aggressive trap defense that they've shown, and some of the defensive progress. As you said, you know, player development. These aspects of his, of him as a coach you can really, really appreciate and really like and say, hey, I think we have something here. But that's been what sparked the debate is as much as you want to credit him for those things, you look at the lack of, you know, depth on the roster and and some of his recruitment so far. You look at some of the coaching late in the games and some of those decisions that have, you know, flipped three or four games now into the loss column from the win column. And you're left with what I feel like is a pretty average overall grade because anything that's positive and good that, about what he's been doing this year, you feel like has kind of been offset by these glaring negatives as well that really bring down the overall opinion of him. Yeah, I mean, th- there's there's more here that I can say, but you know, the, the process the first couple of years just wasn't very good. The rest of the league is out signing four and five star kids, and, and he's showing up at the state tournament. Um, you know. Two months before Kim Odesipe graduates, finding him, signing him, you know he scores ten points last year. Now he's in a Mac school. There was there was just too much of that going on. Jerry's issue, it's it's humility. Uh, you know it's 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 listening to other people. It's it's knowing that the other coaches in the league do things the way they do for a reason. And and he made his bed with his methods. Um, and now he's lying in it this year. Now, how much that changes going forward, I don't know. Next year's class is a lot better. You know, what's he going to put together in 23? I don't know. And and the other question is, you know, is is next year's class up to the hype? I mean, because if it is, then then I think maybe he started to turn a corner if he can replicate it. But they're stuck where they're stuck for a reason. Um, and, and that's that, that's really, for the most part, nobody's fault but his. So, yeah, Chris, I think the one thing with that is the class next year is supposed to be better, but like you said, does it live up to the hype? Because Shane Dizoni, Gabe Dorsey, some of these guys were very highly thought of recruits in their own right, and we've seen them have little impact on this year's team. So what does that look like next year for guys that are similarly rated? And then two, my question for you would be, uh, you mentioned like that lack of effort in the first couple of years and how you felt like that got him behind the eight ball a little bit in terms of what he's able to do this year. Do you think there's a path back from that going forward? You know, we, we think he might be turning a corner or do you think the, the ego problem or the humility problem, as you said, it is going to be something that hinders him too much going forward and is going to be an ongoing issue for the program. Well, I've heard privately that he realized uh, probably before this year that his players weren't good enough. And again, you saw the class he brought in. Now, there are some questions, and I've heard this in the coaching community, if those kids are as good as they're hyped to be. We'll wait and see. I'm not making a judgment on that right now. I'm just telling you what I have heard. Um, you know, I've heard some concerns about Dort. Uh, Shelby's already hurt. You know, the, the thing that I've... I'll use this analogy, okay? Um, I was looking for a car one time, and I, I found one online. It was about three grand below what what it probably should have been. But it was a Honda Accord. They run really well. And I thought, well, you know, I, I've got 
you know, let's say I buy three below value. I've got some room built in. Um, if, if there's something wrong with it, I don't know. Took the car to mechanic, couldn't find anything wrong with it. Sure enough, um, you know, within a year and a half, I started having all kinds of problems. This is one of the worst purchases I ever made. My concern with him is in diligence. Like, I'll give you an example, and this was before your time. Um, everybody knew that Isaac McBride wasn't going to work out here but him. And, and you can go back and listen to the pods I did a couple years ago, and I tried to tiptoe around it as much as I could, um, and, and you saw what happened, and now he's somewhere else. W- what I'm wondering is, um, is that still the case? Are they doing the diligence on the kids? Uh, again, I've, I've heard some concerns uh, that some of the guys that they have recruited are not as good as the ratings are. I, I don't know that. I hadn't been to tournaments and seen these kids. I don't know. But my, my really my question is, is, is he turned a corner in recruiting um, or, or, you know, like my thing with the car, did, did, did somebody else know something that I didn't that I should have known? I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that, that's kind of no, where my evaluation was him, with him is on recruiting. I want to see how that resolves next year. Are those kids as good as the rankings have put them? And, and if so, and he's going to work harder and land those kind of kids, yeah, that's, that's an entirely different conversation. Yeah, and I, I think that comes back to what we said earlier about, you know, kind of staying put in terms of his, his contract. It's almost like an NFL player coming upon that, that option after the, after the fourth year here, and you don't know if you're going to exercise it or not, but you, you have to see, uh, you know, that almost that penultimate year here of, you know, after he gets four potentially, I mean, ESPN has four four-star, them all as four-star recruits here coming in. To, to Vandy next year, and he brings in four guys, all of some pretty high-caliber recruiting status, uh, coming into a team that should have some of his established veterans staying back. How does he kind of acclimate them in with the program? And then, like you said, is he able to repeat that sort of recruiting class for the next year? And if he can and we see some more progress, you might feel good about him having turned the corner and, and his future at Vanderbilt. But it, But if things kind of look a little bit like they did this year where some of the highly recruited freshmen come in and don't do a whole lot. Um, and his classes continue to just kind of fall right in the middle of SC of the SEC. Uh, I think you have to start to question whether or not there's actual growth to be made. Well, my, my concern next year is unless they hit it big with a couple kids in the portal, they're, they're going to be back to probably game one of, of the SEC tournament or the, the Wednesday night game is a better way to say it. Um, you know, you can look forward and, and already kind of make the excuse for next year. Well, he's, you know, he's brought in this class. And to me, I, I think a lot hinges on how good this class looks next year. If they come in and they look like they're the number 12 recruiting, recruiting class or wherever they are today, that that's one thing. Um, if they don't, that's another. You, you cannot extend him. He's got three years left on the yeah. contract. If yeah. you buy him out today, you probably owe him $10 million dollars. Um, goodness, Vanderbilt's paid a lot of people to go away lately, and so I don't think you want to spend any money more money there if you can help it. Um, you know, I, I think after next year, I don't know. I, I just see it set up to where he's probably going to get a year five, knowing how Vanderbilt operates. Um, and and by that time, he's in five. He's going to have one year left on the contract. Um, 
I, I just think you got to let it play out and maybe after four or five cut bait if it's not working. But I don't think I extend him at any point in there, too, unless he just kills it one of the next two years. I have 100% agreement on that. Uh, could, yeah, you said it. Hit the nail on the head right there. Sam, any final thoughts? Um, No, not a whole lot. I'm kind of with you uh, in that boat of, you know, under 500 now. Um, a lot of the kind of the shine that was on some of those those tight losses and stuff kind of has really just been deflating over the last week or so and, and some of the same issues occurring. And, yeah, I mean, you're you, – I mean – praying for a miracle i suppose in tampa i mean i'm just really looking to see see some progress and see them play some good basketball um and and see where they're at but um yeah not not too many comments or 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 too much to say regarding that front um just excited for march basketball uh regardless of uh where vanderbilt may fall within that uh scope yeah that that makes two of us hey sam thanks for joining us have a good week and we'll see you next week Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.